Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg. This is True Horrors. Hello, welcome everyone. Oh, thank God Meg's here and she knows how to do things because otherwise it would just be a mess from start to finish. I hope that you guys in the future are all having a great week. Um, I hope that you enjoyed watching The Blob or have at some point in your life enjoyed it or are just going to enjoy listening to us talk about it without ever having watched it. Maybe you've read the Wikipedia summary. I mean, I don't know if it's possible to watch this movie and not enjoy it. It's um, I had never seen it before last night, but it's my favorite movie now. All right, that's a strong opening. Please continue. <laughs> um, I have a question for you before we delve into like some of the the meatier bits. Um, how did you feel about the theme song, Meg? <laughs> wow, <laughs> loaded question. <laughs> um, well, I'd also never seen the blob. I was called the blog, <laughs> the blob, and. <laughs> So when it started rolling and it started singing about it, I was kind of confused because I was like, I had a lot of feelings. First, I was like, is this a real horror movie? Yes. Like, I've always known this is supposed to be like a drive through, like really scary movie. But this song is very happy. And then I was like, maybe it's kind of like the one, two, Freddy's going to get you. Like, it's supposed to be sinister. But then it was kind of more informative. And then it got me thinking, do all 1950s movies have songs like this and I just don't watch enough movies from the 1950s I don't know I hope so so I knew this movie had a theme song because back in 2015 when I decided to make a Halloween playlist this is one of the first songs I found this has been my alarm um because when it hits October I'll change my alarms to my my spooky we're not really that spooky Halloween songs. And that's that's been my alarm so many times in the past four and a half years. But when it started, Amazing. I was still, I, I transcended. I was so happy. Well, there's a point not to jump too far ahead when the doctor locks himself in his office. And I'm like, it's going to go through the door. The theme song explained that to us. You know, what's funny is I was waiting for it to go all around the walls and it never did. No, it sort of went all around the window. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. I mean, it like kind of like went over top of a building, but like I was expecting it to go vertically up some walls the way the theme song promised. But one of the things I genuinely loved about this movie is that it seems like creature features haven't changed a, even a tiny bit in the past 60 years because it was 1958. This was basically the same movie as like any of those crazy shark movies that we watch now, except those movies have a little bit of Jaws thrown into them, so there's like a blending there. But like your generic creature feature follows the same formula that this movie followed, which is teenagers or young people find a monster, tell an authority figure, they don't believe them, the teens have to figure it out. Um, Again, like the main thing that's changed is that Jaws is added – like, or I guess it's really more Jaws and Jurassic Park have added some archetypes. Also, the 
this is a created by science kind of thing. I would also say that if we're thinking of this as maybe like the father of those creature feature movies, like at least one of Mm -hmm. them, I think you can almost see that some of those other ones are almost parroting Mm -hmm. this because there were some things I thought was really interesting with like, if this movie was made today, Mm -hmm. which I have some thoughts on that also, which we'll get to when we talk about it more. But if this movie was made today, like the fact that, he's like drag racing with those guys. And then when he almost gets stuck by the cops, they're like, Oh my God, bro. Wasn't that crazy? And I'm like, are you guys all really friends? Like, this has all been a joke, but it was like this level of camaraderie of like small town camaraderie where it's like, there are so many times in creature movies where like the opposite friend Mm -hmm. group, like opposite gangs, it's like, you know, it's like they were, they have all this animosity towards each other. Whereas them, it was like, Ooh, let's race. And then when they almost got caught, it's like, Oh, that's the real, the cops are the real <laughs> ones who we got to like, Oh, like, Hey, want to come to the movies with us? Like, and I thought that was so good mm-hmm. and so funny that it was like, it was almost like it was all put on and then they almost got in trouble. And it was like, Oh dude, like, as opposed to when they were waiting for them, I'm like, what are they going to yes. try to murder them now? Because if this took place yes. in the eighties, they would. I was really worried. <laughs> um, there's also, I don't know. I just, I guess I feel like so separate from mm-hmm. the 1950s that there were some things in this movie that I was like, wow, like this is the dark ages. And then there were some things in this movie where I was like, oh, that's funny. So it really hasn't changed that much. Like when he was like pedal to the metal to get that guy to the doctor, did you see how fast he was going? It was 55. (laughs) Which to be honest, was faster than I thought he was gonna go. Like, Well, and that's, that is how fast he was going. And those guys thought he wanted to drag race. Like, the person going 55 in front of me, I'm like, move it. It's a 60. <laughs> and he was, the, I loved that. I loved that. I loved mm-hmm. his car. Yes. And I loved yep. her dresses. Like that aesthetic. I was like, Ooh, bring that back. Like, I love that. I mean, again, I loved all of it. Also the grocery, like literally every single like piece of costuming or set I loved. Cause that's my thing. All that wood paneling in the, like, the office of the grocery store. Oh, my God. Just the best. I have to say that I wasn't really sure about his characterization. Mm-hmm. Like, it it was very odd to me. Like, when it started, I was like, are you an asshole? Like, why did you bring her here? And then they have this weird back and forth that seems almost improvised about, like, mm-hmm. he came here to bring shooting stars, and she's like, is that a line? And he's like, no, like, it genuinely isn't. And then as the movie progresses, I'm like, okay, Steve is, like, the hero, and he doesn't seem to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. But, like, that beginning scene, I felt, like, really set us up for, like, them being attacked right. by the creature, that they wouldn't yes. be the main couple. Because it seemed like he was trying to, mm-hmm. like, do something up there, you know? And then, like, I felt like his characterization really changed to be kind of the, like, oh, my son doesn't lie, like, noble kid. And I was like, then what was with that opening scene? Because Mm -hmm. I really didn't know how to feel. Like, they didn't lay it on thick enough where I would be like, oh, sweet angel, he really brought her here to see shooting stars. And she thinks it's something else. Like, that's funny. Like, Mm. I really wasn't sure either. I was just as confused as she was. I did not know what they were trying to tell me with that. Um And it kind of felt like they didn't know what they were trying to tell us either. But also speaking of Jane, 
She is the secret hero of this movie. I love her so much. Yes, she does have that one weird scene where she gets hysterical because it's 1958. But for the most part, like, she doesn't talk a lot. But when she does, she says great things. Are you talking about the greatest line in this whole movie? I assume so. Why don't, why don't you tell it? Um, when that sergeant is being an asshole and says that they're trying to make him look stupid. And she says, I think you're doing yes. that pretty well all by yourself, sergeant. And I out loud went, damn, Jane. <laughs> damn. <laughs> like, it was, I, my thought was, I didn't know you were allowed to talk that way on screen as a woman to an authority figure. But she just like, like, the chief thought it was hilarious. Like, the chief was like, LOL, she told you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. the best line in the whole thing. I was like, I was like, that's what they mean when they say their 50s heroines mm-hmm. were spunky. Like, it was so, that I assume that's what you were talking yes. about. Because it is the greatest so line good. in this movie. But, like, also at that point where, like, since nobody believes Steve, he's starting to think, he's starting to doubt himself. Despite the fact that, like, he has seen it. And, I mean, Jane saw it, too, to an extent. She didn't see it eat the doctor. But, like, he's starting to, like, think it didn't happen. And she's like, no, I, I know you. I believe you. Like, if you say you saw it, you saw it. Let's go find it and prove it. Like, hero. Mm-hmm. There were there's some other bits in the beginning I just want to talk mm-hmm. about. I want to talk about the fact that they call it a skyrocket. <laughs> I forgot about that. A skyrocket. Um, speaking of hilarious things they say when they're talking about that movie that they're going to go to, he refers to it as a midnight spook vid. It's a spook show. Well, yes, he calls it a spook show too, but at one point he says midnight spook vid. And I think it's really important that you know that's the new name of our podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> so you, know. you can find us. You can find us at midnight spook show, people. Midnight spook vid. Oh, that is, that is, a, they're both great names for a podcast. <laughs> also for a band. Yes. Um, Just for the record, that's the joke I was laughing at at the beginning. <laughs> I'm really pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, her joke was so good, we changed the name of our podcast. <laughs> also, was he planning on telling anyone? That's one thing, is that he takes this old man who at that point has something on his mm-hmm. hand to the doctor, and the doctor is like, okay, please go back and look and see if he has family or witnesses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when he meets his drag racing friends and when he meets Dave, he doesn't say anything. And I thought that was so odd mm-hmm. not to be like, hey, we found this old man and he was hurt. We took him to the dock and now the docs asked us to go do this. Like it was very odd because at that point they weren't really in monster territory. So it didn't really make sense mm-hmm. that he was keeping it so close to the vest. Um, so I thought that was well, weird. he forgot about it. So... After Dave leaves, the cop leaves, he goes, oh, that's right. We have to go find that old man's family. So it's like he walked out of the building and immediately forgot about it because drag racing, I guess, is just that exciting. You're exactly right. You know, when they had the three cops and the one who plays chess Mm -hmm. on the radio was someone who I don't think we ever figured out who he's playing with. He works in a different town. Who else? He also works on a shift. Okay, when he said I was that he was going to teach him chess, 
I was like, you're clearly going to die before you teach anyone chess. But then he didn't. <laughs> didn't. But that, again, was something that would have been a beacon to be like, like, if you make any kind of future plans mm-hmm. in a horror movie, you're not going to be around to do it. Also, his chess skills never come. I guess, well, I guess we're meant to realize he's not very good at chess. Like, I think he loses because he's very upset and they pan down to the chess board. Like, everyone in the audience is going to know what that means just by looking at it, which... It seems like every single piece, I don't know, maybe I didn't look at it that closely. I, maybe I was just, like, too taken aback by the fact that they thought I was going to understand what was happening. Maybe it was really obvious what was happening on that chessboard, but I assume he lost. Yes, and I agree with you that I, I thought, that's why I thought he was going to die, because it didn't really come back into play. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he uses chess moves to defeat <laughs> the blob or something. That's the blob's weakness, is chess. He, he uses the same opening move every single time, and it's just really predictable. I would just like to say this is the kind of moments, this is the kind of the horror movie where a half lie will get you there, and I don't know why anyone doesn't do it. Because you don't have to say to the cops or to everyone, there is a monster or that something came from space. You can say there was some kind of parasite. Mm-hmm that the doctor was taking and the parasite got the doctor. And then at least you're partially in the realm of reality. And then once they see it, you can be like, well, I knew you weren't going to believe me, you know, but it's so weird to me. This happens a lot in horror where I'm like a well-placed half lie or like omitting some detail would make your story more credible. And then people would be able to like Mm -hmm. latch onto it more. That's like a big plot point in the second season of Stranger Things is taking the story with like all of its like weird Mm -hmm. like sci-fi stuff and being like, hey, the public is is not going to react well to that. But if we just tell this part of it, they will, you know, I didn't really get the impression that any of these teenagers were very good at thinking through that kind of thing. Also, though, it seems like I don't again, I don't know 1950s cinema that much, but there were a lot of things that happened in this movie that could just mm-hmm. lift right out that don't seem to matter, like the chess or like that woman who I understand she serves a plot point of saying the mm-hmm. doctor went out of town, but that could have been a phone call, not her coming in trying to destroy the crime scene so that it doesn't seem messy. Which, OK, OK, there was a moment that really bothered me. Because they try to get her out because they're like, we don't want you touching things because we have to dust for fingerprints. As if they haven't just marched through this and started manhandling the gun. Like, they're the police. They should know better. We've had fingerprinting technology for well over 100 years. They're the police of Blobtown now. (laughs) You're the mayor of Blobtown. The Blob needs no police. The Blob is its own police. Also, it was weirdly inappropriate, I feel like, to have the other cops just drop on us that the reason Jim is like this is because a teenager murdered his wife. I literally wrote in my notes, hello, surprise and cursory tragic backstory. Like, what the hell was that? Also, the fact that he's like, teenagers hate me because they heard about my war record. I'm like, did kill a lot of teenagers in the war is that why they have it like I do not understand what that means I don't either Mm. because of the period of time so it's not like 
being a war hero and fighting in the war he must have fought in was mm-hmm. there wasn't any controversy surrounding it. So the idea that like, oh, those teenagers, like maybe in like the the 60s or that kind of or like the 70s, again, not that there'd be a reason to, right. but for a reason for someone to think that like I'm like the war you fought in was I mean, maybe maybe Korea. I don't really know. I was the- gonna say it could potentially be Korea. It also felt like it gave him a mix of motives because the idea of his wife was killed by a teenager, so he hates kids, that's more than enough for me to be like, why is he acting unreasonable? And the idea of of why he gets so pissed off when they say they're just kids because clearly that kid was either drunk or not paying attention. So, But then to add in this weird paranoia he has that all the teens are against him (laughs) kind of undercut it. I mean, they kind of are against him, but it's because he's an asshole. Uh-huh. Um, one of all my other favorite lines in this was, did we just waste our 80 cents for how much <laughs> the movie costs? Yes. Did you see how much the watermelons cost? No, how much? They were, I didn't write it down, but I think they were like four cents a pound. Oh my God. So much yes. watermelon. So much watermelon. <laughs> Also, I think we need to give Steve a real... It's Steve, right? Or is that the actor's name? Both. Okay. It's Steve McQueen playing a character named Steve. But he just jumped on that grocery (laughs) store shelf to try to get to and save her. He almost went over it in a single bound. (laughs) I thought he was trying to push it over (laughs) onto the blob, and then he jumped on it. And I was like, oh, okay. My bad. Because, like, the thing is... We can see that the shelves are taller than they are. Like, it's not like it's a tiny, like, half shelf. Also, little Danny. Little Danny wants to stand guard. Little Danny, who was clearly played by a 10-year-old. Yes. Which, I was playing this fun game by myself. Because, like, Steve McQueen was 28 when this movie came out. And he's playing someone who is at most 17 years old. And he doesn't even remotely pass for a 17-year-old. So every time anyone came on screen, I made a joke about how they were, like, decades younger. Like, that old man, I was like, I assume he's, like, 26. Um, But Danny is very clearly, like, a (laughs) 10-year-old. And I just don't know why they... Was there a shortage of children? Could they not have just made him 10? I guess like his actions are a little stupid for 10. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there was just there was just a lot there. It's so I think it's also just a function of people not really knowing how children speak because like I don't know, but he was wearing pajamas with feet, which makes me think he had to be like no older than six. But he, but the way he talked made it seem like he was going for like four years old. Like, yes, it was so weird. Well, last week we did the conjuring and something I didn't mention then, but it made me think of it with this one is that the people who made the conjuring had clearly met children before. Yes. Whereas whoever did the blog had never met a child. (laughs) You called it the blog again. <laughs> how often do I say the word blog and how often do I say the word blob in real life? My mind is autocorrecting like a phone. <laughs> like clearly you meant blog. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you have more, but I just want to get to my end thing. Okay. I know this movie was made in 1958. Mm-hmm. 
But at the end, when they say, as yes. long as the Arctic stays cold, I was like, sequel, <laughs> sequel, sequel. Like, who owns the rights to the blog? And why are they not immediately making a blog? You just... You? Do you own no, it? you just <laughs> blog, called a blog the third time. I'm just going to keep count here. <laughs> I'm not meaning to. Who owns the blob with the B? Two Bs, in fact. Who owns the blob? And why aren't they making one about the fact? And it would be a direct sequel. Like, you could even use their voiceovers from that movie. It would be a direct sequel. You could have people playing so-and-so's granddaughter or whatever. And that... Now that we have global warming, the Arctic is no longer cold enough. And you probably have people who think that's an old wife's tale at this point and like da-da-da. And then the blob just comes out. Like, how is that movie? I literally Googled it because I was like, this has to be in the works. I can't be the only person who's thought of this. Right. But if I am, rights reserved. Yeah, for real. Um, yes, I actually have written right here, global warming has given this movie a very ironic ending. Yes. <laughs> also... I really want to talk about how extremely conniving this blob is because at first, especially it exclusively goes for people who are not going to be missed. Like if, how does it not, it's a blob, but like it goes straight for the people who are about to go out of town. Then it goes for all the people, for all the people who are at a bar, which I don't know, it's made in 1958. So I think we're assuming that those are the people who don't have anyone to go home to. Um, but then it just goes for everyone in the town. So, Well, also that bar scene was really interesting because when all the teens, who again, these teens that were kind of their like joke enemies for five minutes, agree mm-hmm. to like go out and be like, let's warn people. When they go to that second bar, clearly someone escaped and told mm-hmm. those people and he was laughed at. Right. So, like, I thought that was really an interesting line to put in, considering we don't meet them. Also, we definitely didn't get the point where Dave got to be like, hey, Jim, hey, Jim, so what about those kids? What about those kids just messing around? Hey, why don't you go touch it? Go touch it. He was a good he boss. Was a good Dave boss. was a good boss. He wouldn't no. do that. But I thought it was funny. <laughs> I would have. I would have been like, wow. Or why does the school need 20 fire extinguishers? It's a big school. It's got 20 bedrooms. I, That's a joke from last episode. I, <laughs> I just realized I those are I, two different episodes. There's like a whole week for everyone else listening, but. It's like an Easter egg. I just, <laughs> I don't really know the rules about how much square footage you need to then have a fire extinguisher, but most apartments I've ever lived in have like one. Mm-hmm. But he had 20. And then I really like how he was looking for the key and then he broke open the door. I'm like, your children are about to die. Like, go mm-hmm. faster. I know, for real. Also, for a movie so incredibly hokey, it has a couple of really dark moments that I was not expecting. Like, when they when there's like a two, three minute period where you think they brought that dog back just to kill it. Yeah. I was very upset. But then also at the very end, when those two teenagers with the 10-year-old playing a four-year-old and then the two other people we don't care about stoically face their impending deaths. Yes. I was like, this is a real, like, a real turn for this movie. Because I have to wonder if it was seen as campy at the time. I don't really know if it was or if it was genuinely, like, 
scary or if it was like a B scary movie to them. Like, I don't really know, but I do have to say that that was really heard basically telling Danny to close his eyes and go to sleep before he died. And then the, the eye contact they were making, I was just like, yikes. I was like, this, this can't possibly end this way. Like they don't die. There was a moment when I was like, I legitimately was like, are, are they going to die? Are they going to kill these teenagers? Like, I don't really know the beats from 1950s horror. Like, maybe they're going to kill these teenagers. I feel like the only reason I didn't think they were going to kill them is because you had that thing there that we as an audience knew, which was that it reacts Mm -hmm. to cold. And he hadn't had a chance to share that yet. So, like, that was the only reason that I was like, he can't die because how else are they going to know that cold? Right is what does it. And he still hadn't told them yet. If he'd already told someone, I maybe would have thought it more, mm-hmm. but the only things I really knew about this movie was that the blob. You did it. Doesn't like cold, mm-hmm. doesn't like cold and the movie theater scene, which did not disappoint. <laughs> how many, how big was that movie theater? Like a thousand people came out of that theater. They just how big is that town? And so many people were already in the street <laughs> from them honking their horns. How big is this town? And, a and why bunch did it have them... more than three police officers then? But also a bunch of them had been eaten. Like 40, 40, 40 people to 50. had already been eaten. Like, oh my God. Yeah, honestly, the only thing I knew about this movie going in was the theme song and that you need to beware of the blob. I'm not gonna I mean it's good it's good advice. I, I'm not gonna sing the whole theme song, although I was tempted. Well, I was gonna speak it, but I was gonna say we're just gonna speak yes. it, just keep saying lines from it. Yes, I was. A classic move. <laughs> I don't really know on our scale. I really don't know if I'd survive the blob. I know. Um It doesn't really take a lot of skill to die from the blob. Yeah, because well it doesn't move very quickly. But so like the way it gets most people is they're not paying attention or I guess the doctor got trapped, which, okay, actually, before I continue on this, I just need to take one second to hop over to that scene where the doctor and the nurse try to kill it and the nurse throws acid on it and it doesn't work. And she goes, nothing will stop it. Like, bitch, you tried one thing. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried the thing. Also. I don't know why she doesn't like not trying to like victim blame or whatever. She was in front of a blob, but I just feel like again, another case where someone mm-hmm. should have run for it. Like, cause she ends up tripping over the lamp and I think that's right. how it gets her, but you're right. It doesn't move that fast. And so, but I just love the ideas like throwing knives at it and shooting it and stuff. And I'm like, you can't possibly think that was going to work. Like (laughs) at least electrocuting it made some kind of sense. Right. It's also interesting that it seems to be able to eat people more quickly, the bigger it gets. Well, I kind of assume that it's like a jellyfish where it's like, once it gets around you, it's digestive, you know, acids just kind of start working. So if it's bigger, it's going to have more surface area with the, the digestive acids. And stuff like that. Yeah. That makes sense. I I like having a villain that is pretty neutral. Right. Like the blob doesn't mean to do these things. It's just eating. I don't know. It goes for the people who aren't going to be missed. I think that's more circumstantial. Rachel's more for the serial killer blob. <laughs> I'm more from the act of nature blob. Um, Maybe just a little bit of both. 
There was also a lot of funny things they said when they were around that crater that were like, like Skyrocket <laughs> was definitely my favorite, but they definitely said something about it, like hurtling through yes. like something where it, everything Bless. they said was just golden. It was just people who had never like, who didn't have a real realm of knowledge for space travel mm-hmm. because of the time. Well, yeah. I was going to say Sputnik hadn't even been launched yet. No. Or wait. Wait. 57. Yeah. Yes, it had. That's how yes. they knew what a space yes. rocket was. also i can't believe how they were just throwing that thing around if i had an actual piece i'll be like bitch i'm not giving this to you it's mine (laughs) this is my meteorite and i'm just gonna yoink (laughs) put it in my pocket but yeah i mean i guess i could be surprised by the blob if i'm laying in bed because it seems like once it gets you you're screwed yes like you would have to amputate um right away and that's only when it's smaller so i guess it could sneak up on me it could sneak up on me when i'm listening to music or when i'm like you know, just laying in bed or whatever could come through the pipes. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like if it trapped me some, it could also trap me like, so I'm going to give it a 50, 50 shot. I'm going to say like a five. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking four or five. Um, Cause they never really show, I would have to know it doesn't like cold, mm-hmm. but they never really show anyone else beating it other than like right. chance. Mm-hmm. All right. going to tell me a story, Rachie. I'm going to tell you many stories. Actually, not that many stories. So, in September of 1950, in Philadelphia, around 10 p.m. one night, officers John Collins and Joseph Keenan were out patrolling, and they saw something parachuting down to Earth. It start, When they first saw it, it was at about treetops, and they said it was about six feet in diameter. So they called for backup. And when Sergeant Joseph Cook and Officer James Casper arrived, they went into the field that it had landed in and saw this purple blob that was glowing and maybe had some crystals in it. And Officer Collins tried to pick it up, but it dissolved. So the four officers just stood there and watched it dissolve for the next 25 minutes. And when it was gone, there was no trace of anything, not even a dent in the grass. So they called the FBI, but they were like, we don't have any evidence this thing happened, but we're sending it to someone higher up. This is the direct inspiration for the movie The Blob. But it's not the only story about what some people call star jelly. Am I just supposed to let that go? Am I just supposed to? Am I just supposed to let you say that and just put that into the universe of all of our listeners' ears and just move on unchallenged? I mean, what would you like to say, Meg? I, I don't like it. I'm unhappy with that. I'm unhappy with the term star jelly. It has a couple of other names, um, but I didn't write them down. Because the thing about this story is that we are verging on conspiracy theory territory. So I have a few other stories about this, but I found them on like random websites that I can't like, they don't source their information. So I, and I can't find primary sources, which is a lot of what I use for this because it's so weird. I've like went and found actual newspaper articles about these things happening, but we'll, 
we'll unpack it at the end. Apparently, there's even a story going back to like 1846 about some weird thing, some weird. Blo- Are you okay? You're just. Looking I have right my back porch like shades open for more direct sunlight but also it's very windy and so I have a tarp out there that just keeps going back and forth and it's like out of the corner of my eye I'm ready I'm I'm on it star jelly I uh I didn't know if maybe a blob was coming for you um but apparently there was an article in scientific American in 1846 about something similar to this But Scientific American won't let me read it. So I only have the word of conspiracy theorists that that article exists. Actually, would you like to hear something equally unpleasant? Yeah, I guess. The article that I believe is the one about it is titled A Traveling Pus. (laughs) God, I wish everyone else could see your face right now. I just feel like we're too liberal with letting people name things. (laughs) I feel like there has to be some kind of democratic process to name things. Otherwise, the name's just out there. I very briefly (laughs) looked up other names for this and like Astral Jelly. I like that a little bit more. It has a certain sense of um, sciencey nature. I don't know. I think Astral Jelly kind of sounds like a lubricant. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I just think it's the word jelly. What about jello? Space jello. Jello. Well, because it's not really, from my understanding, it's not really jello texture. It's more like a, it is gelatinous, but it's more like a jelly. It's like a blob. I don't like that one bit. And I feel like when it got bigger, it kind of had a jello consistency. Mm, touche. It was a little bit more solid, I feel like, when it when it got moving. All right, that's fair. All right. Well, Okay, so so what you're telling me is you're about to tell me a bunch of, like, black hole space jelly theory. No, I'm just going to tell you, like, a couple of other incidents. Not a bunch. I only have three more. Um, but these are, like, the big ones. The 1846 one was in Lowville, New York, by the way. Can't find any evidence it ever happened. It also quickly disappeared. In August of 1979 in Frisco, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth, and also Dallas um, won't let you just read their newspaper archives unless you live in the city. I'm not bitter. Sybil Christian went out onto her lawn one morning and saw several purple blobs just, like, hanging out. And I don't know if you know this, but early August is the same time as a Perseid meteor shower. So... People think that's significant. But in August again of 1994 in Oakville, Washington. All right, get ready because this one's the worst one. It started raining this weird, mysterious goo. And this was actually featured on Unsolved Mysteries. So that's where my information for this one comes from. So it happened six times over a three-week period. And around the same time, there was this weird outbreak of a bunch of different illnesses. They sent a sample of it to someone at the hospital. And at the hospital, they found it contained human white blood cells, which I don't like at all. And apparently another sample was sent to the Washington State Department of Health, and they found two different species of bacteria in it. Um, And one of those species is actually found in the human intestines. 
Also, during this, apparently someone kept a sample in their freezer, which I want you to really think about. Because after two years of keeping this weird goo that rained down from the sky in their freezer, they sent it to Amtest Labs to see what was going on with it. And I just, I just want you to think about that because that's, you know, that, that's where you keep your food. The goo is in there with your food. When they test, yeah, do you have something to I add? Just, I more want to know what that thought process was. Is it like, you know, they kept <laughs> meaning to send it, but it's like whenever there's something on your to-do list that just keeps going, you know, and then it's like, then you're kind of embarrassed it's been so long. It's like when you haven't texted someone back and you're like, you know, it's been, I mean, is it ruder for me to, to send it now? I mean, should I wait? And then finally it's like, oh, screw it. It's just taking up space. Like, what were they planning for those two years? <laughs> I don't know. I think that person was interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries, but I kind of like skimmed over the parts where like people were telling their experiences and went for the facts. So like, I think it might've been someone who had been sick during that time period, but Amtest Labs tested it and found that it contained cells that contain a nucleus, um, which Unsolved Mysteries then goes in a very dramatic fashion to say, so that means the goo was alive. This is something that's really hard to go back and test because all the samples that were sent to the state and the records of those samples have since disappeared. I don't like that one bit. What year was that? No. Uh, 1994. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. Like, we were alive then. Mm -hmm. Like, things shouldn't be disappearing past a certain point unless it's something nefarious. I don't like that one bit. By the way, not to not to run on your parade or anything, but after you tell me these stories, are you going to tell me sciencey reasons why this might have happened? Great, perfect. Yes, so happy. Yes, we're we're going to get into the science now. Um, like I said, because I can't confirm a lot of these, I'm not I'm not out here to spread conspiracy theories. If you want to know more, read Wikipedia, Google Star Jelly. Like we are not responsible for what comes up if you Google Star Jelly. <laughs> I've Googled star jelly. It's just like these weird articles. <laughs> like, I didn't come across any porn. Um, so the thing about this star jelly is that all of these stories have kind of, they're different descriptions of what it looks like. Like one's, a couple of them are purple. Like I think the goo in Washington was white. Um, there's some that's been found in Scotland within like the last, 10 years and I think it was white so it's not just one thing but in um, the case of the Frisco Texas story in 1979 we do know what that one was because local hero Ron DeLulio who works at the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History like until very recently works there took a sample um, and they found out that it was like this leftover chemical residue from a nearby plant where they like reprocess batter clean batteries or I didn't really understand what it was but it's it's chemical waste it it was chemical waste in her yard the one in Philadelphia I have no idea what that one was um nor do I know what was in Oakville Washington according to the Glasgow Naturalist which is just like a publication about like earth science and stuff the sightings that they found in scotland recently and then also the at a nature reserve in somerset um are most likely frog spawn so there's a really nice like scientific article that's like 
you know, here are the sightings. Here's what it looks like. We found frog eggs nearby. I think the theory is that, like, when predators eat frogs, if they when they tear it open, they might tear open their ovaries and the, like, unfertilized spawn gets out. Yeah. So not less gross. Not from space. Imagine you were keeping that in your fridge for two years. <laughs> it's unfertilized, like... So I don't know, actually know how to pronounce this. I don't know if it's live science or live science because I've never heard anyone ever talk about it. There was an incident in 2010 in Virginia where it's um, just like a bryozoan colony, which is just like, it looks like one animal, but it's actually just like a bunch of it, kind of like how coral all like connect to each other, but they're different animals. So kind of like how coral bunch together and look like one thing, but they're actually a bunch of different animals. It just filters algae out of the water. And the reason it was weird there is like it lives in salt water, not fresh water. But that was an actual living blob. And then Brian Dunning of the Skeptoid podcast has like an episode that I can't listen to because I'm not going to pay for it. But there's an article where he goes through a bunch of different things that it could be. One of them is slime mold, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's just mold that in a certain stage of its development looks real slimy and weird the thing about that one is it grows very quickly and then once it reaches the next stage of its life it kind of dries up and goes away um it could also be blue green algae or just a bunch of different bacteria and fungi this idea that it comes from space is really weird like i have no idea where that comes from except for the fact that like they always seem to appear and there's like no evidence of it like moving to that location um it's like this fungi just kind of like pops up and spreads for a while and then disappears but like that's how fungus is isn't so. it weird i'm just the worst person for conspiracy theories because i'm not bothered i know right if it did come from space i'm not bothered like i'm just like mm -hmm. okay cool good for it mm -hmm. i hope you enjoyed space yep like now you're here with the rest of us <laughs> um just because there's so much out in space and it doesn't necessarily mean that like it might be living, but in the same way a leaf is living, like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like aliens, like, or something that's intelligent life. So the idea of like, again, there's just things that like I care quite a bit about or things that when I hear them, I'm like, well, that's great for it. Like, and this is kind of one of them is the idea that, even if it did come from space, it doesn't necessarily mean that it comes from an intelligent life form in space. It could just mean like there's a lot of stuff out there. We haven't, you know, been to all of space and it could just be the inside gooey part of some asteroid or something. It's just that I don't really know, nor do I want to dig into if I'm guessing the conspiracy is that it's aliens and that the government's hiding it. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, and I'm I don't care to know. I don't know, but I kind of wonder. I'm not gonna find out if like even the benign space answer, like when an asteroid falls, like a small baby one that isn't gonna like dinosaur us. It just like exists then, and it's something that came from space. Like it's something right. that came, you know, it's a rock, it's a whatever. Um, and again, that doesn't, this is why I was not like good at science because mm -hmm. 
there's a certain level of, I feel like passion that people have for science that I've just never, I've just always been like, that's interesting. Like it does that good for, good for it, you know? Um, right. Where as opposed to be like, Ooh, Ooh. Um, well, the thing that you have to keep in mind, and I didn't talk about this a lot because I do want to cover UFOs someday on a different episode is 1950, especially like, that's right like that's 1947 was the year we saw a huge spike in people reporting seeing flying saucers so this is the age when people are just seeing ufos left and right and i think it's like in the 70s when we start getting our alien abduction stories which again i don't want to get into too much because i think i want to cover that some i want to cover that another time but like it kind of all goes into this weird cultural fear we have starting in the 1950s of space, which, I mean, it's not that weird. It makes sense. Like, that's when we decide we're going to start exploring space. And it's also the Cold War, so there's a lot of anxiety all around, and it's got to go, it's like sublimated anxiety about the Cold War. But I just, I think this one's so weird because it's like, I mean... There are lots of weird blobby things. There, we have a we have a thing called a blobfish, and also jellyfish are kind of blobby. Like, if if I saw a weird blob on the ground, my first thought would not be, "Oh, that came from space." I would be like, "That's gross, and I don't want to touch it." Also, I think the like, ocean is just as terrifying, but we don't seem to be as scared of it. But I think the ocean is just as terrifying as space. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just as unknown. We really haven't explored that much of it. Like, who the hell yes. knows? Like. I think it's just as terrifying. There was another point I wanted to make on what you were saying about the 1950s and 50s being a time when people were seeing, oh, just a joke. I once saw a thing that was talking about that, like that year, 1947, was somehow like a time traveler year. So what people are seeing is just all these time traveling tourists and then it's like, you've got (laughs) to stop. That's amazing. Um, Oh, 1947, I think, was also the year Roswell happened. So we got Roswell and we got, like, the first, like, really famous, like, report of seeing a flying saucer that year. So then 1950, these cops see this weird blobby thing. Nor do I really care that much. It doesn't seem, like, honestly that interesting to me. (laughs) Like, this was my story and I really wanted to do it, but it's, when you really dig into it, it's really boring. I think, I think this is definitely, at one point we were kind of talking at what was better. And last week it was kind of like, they're kind of the same story. Like the, the movie just had a finer point at the end as opposed to just keep kind of going. Um, but this, I think the movie definitely did better with like an idea of something that it's like, Ooh, there might be something like, I think the movie did really well with that. And I'd be interested to read more if, people were genuinely terrified of the blob. Yeah, no. I like, about that. how scared were people of that movie? Like, I'm, I'm interested to see that. But, um, again, another week and something that story that was not really that much of a bummer. But what about, what about you, Rachel? What else isn't a bummer? What else is not a bummer? I'm, you know, I'm going to rephrase that because that's not a sentence. But a thing that's not a bummer is maybe two weeks ago, when I was taking my dog out right before bed, I heard an owl. And I have never heard an owl wild before. And 
I did some research instead of going to sleep, and it was a great horned owl. And I have not seen it since or heard it since, but I know that an owl lives near me, and that's very exciting. I like that. I like nature. Yeah. I guess I guess I'm going to say mine even though it's not probably not going to be relevant when this airs, but we're on the cusp of spring and I love spring. I love spring and I love fall. Fall's my favorite season. Um, but I love spring. And so I'm really excited. Um, I we're at that point where when I'm walking, I can see the little green starting to poke through and I've always loved that. My mom planted tulips when I was growing up. And so that would kind of be the call of we're entering spring. And I grew up in Wisconsin, which meant there was always a time where they popped up and then got their ass kicked by a final snow, but it's still kind of, it's still kind of heralded spring. So that's to me, you know, um, just to give you an idea when we're taping this. And, um, so a really exciting thing next week will be our season finale. Um, yes, it's 13 episodes. Obviously. Obviously, we saw our opportunity. We took it. Oh, yeah. And uh, for our season finales, for our 13th episodes, we're doing something a little different, um, which will – there'll be something kind of a little twist on them each time. So for our 13th episode, we are doing – The Extravaganza, which means we're covering all the movies. We're covering semi the book because yes. Rachel's read it. I have no interest in reading it. Um, sent tweets. I don't care. I was going to say also the novel a little bit because I'm a pretentious asshole. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I can't change now. It's too late. I mean, I stick with mine too. I, I'm not going to read it. But <laughs> no, we don't. We are going to cover both movies in the sense of, of talking about both of them, comparing them, talking about that. And then both of us will be um, doing a little bit afterwards with the, with the real side of it. So this is something... Um, for our 13th, we're choosing things that either have like a really extensive history or extensive trilogies, series, impact. And obviously there's a lot of things we've already done that could be explained that way, but like we're just we're just pulling them out, deciding which one. And it's had a big impact for both of us. So we're excited for this. And thank you for sticking with us. And next week will be the finale. All right. And we will talk to you all then. Bye. Goodbye.